You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Well, hi, and welcome to Who Did What Now? The Betty Sword. That's right, that's where we take bite-sized pieces of history and shove it down your throat. I feel like I could have worded that better, but it's okay with me. You're, um, surprisingly... Non-eloquent host, Katie Charlwood, Fearfest fan and reader of books. So, seeing as we are in the spooky season, I thought I'd use each one of the Betty Swords to talk about Halloween, the history of Halloween, its origins, like where our traditions and customs come from. And I thought I'd start with the OG Halloween. So, that's right, we're talking about everybody's favourite pagans. The Celts. So basically, way back when, there were four main Celtic festivals. And Halloween dates back to the ancient Celtic festival of Samhain. And this is like, we're going ancient origins here. The Celts you'll also find sometimes referred to as, you know, the Gaelic people. So the Celts, they lived in, you know, Ireland, Scotland, the Isle of Man, northern France. Probably a bit of Wales, a bit of Cornwall, sort of all around all those fun areas. So yeah, it was one of the four main festivals. And so you had Samhain, Imbol, Beltana, and Lunasa. So Samhain was this Celtic festival. As far as the Celts were concerned, the year was split into the light half and the dark half. So it's basically the end of harvest season and it's the beginning of, you know, the dark, cold winter. And it's also like halfway between like the autumn equinox and the winter solstice. It's actually kind of funny because um, Beltna and Samhain, they have very, very similar traditions and customs, rituals, like, within the festivities themselves. It's very interesting. So, yeah, not only was Samhain, like, the starting point for the dark, cold, cruel part of the year, but it was also a time of year which is very much associated with um, human death. Lots of death. I mean, it's winter and... You know, they didn't exactly have central heating. And here's the thing, Samhain is actually on the 1st of November, not the 31st of October. But the festivities and the celebrations would begin the night before because because they saw the day differently than we do. Yeah, because we would see the day uh, the day starting as like daybreak when the, 
you know, the cock rolls out and the sun is rising. It's like, that's that's the day. That's the start of the day. The Celtic day, however, began and ended at sunset. And so remember how I said this was very much associated with human death? Well, apart from the fact that the winter will fucking kill you. Because weather in these temperate zones does not like you on that second half of the year. It really doesn't. It will fucking kill you any time from the start of November. But like, apart from that, this is the time where the veil separating the world of the living and the world of the dead is at its thinnest. So what this means was, the Aishi or the Fae, they would be able to cross the threshold from their world, the other world, into ours, the world of the living. The spirits and Fae, as far as we know, because the Celts didn't write anything down, so as far as we know, the Aishi, the spirits, the Fae, they were seen as like what remained of pieces of the of the old pagan gods, as far as we know. So not only do you have these spirits and these ghouls, but you also have the ghosts of your ancestors. So the ghosts of your ancestors would also come to visit, which is nice, as long as you like your relatives. So your ancestors and your family spirits, they would be invited home. And, you know, the other spirits, the bad ones, the dodgy ones, they would be warded off. Some people would even dress up in costumes, generally made of, like, animal heads and skins. Why? We don't fucking know, actually. We don't know why. Perhaps it was some sort of symbolism of the evil spirits. Perhaps it was a way of disguising themselves as other spirits so they wouldn't be harmed. Or they would ward off the evil spirits. Or perhaps they were even ye old furries. So... Alright, so because these spirits are all hanging about and lurking, it was believed that the the presence of these otherworldly spirits was very much good and bad, because although they were, like, damaging crops, causing trouble, scaring the shit out of children, they also made it easier for the druids to make predict- to tell people's fortunes and make predictions about the future, which is handy in fucking winter. Another thing about all of these sort of ancient festivals is a lot of them were feasts. They were great feast days. So what they would do is they would make an abundance of food with a seat left at the table for ancestors. So everyone would have their meal and there would be an extra place setting effectively for the ghost of your great-great-granny to come in and have a nibble. But here's the thing, the food never actually went to waste because, let's face it, The ancestors weren't exactly in a position to consume the earthly delights laid before them. So any leftover food that wasn't consumed by the spirits would then be shared amongst those who were not as well-off. It was very much a share-and-share-alike kind of scenario. A tradition that lives on to this day, for the most part, without, you know, the, the bloodshed. Bonfires! The Celts would build these massive motherfucking bonfires. And these bonfires, they would be lit on the hilltops. So in Ireland, you'd probably have on um, the hill of Tlachta and Tara. Um, You'd be up in the Scottish Highlands, the Isle of Man. North Wales, I'd probably say. And sometimes the bonfires would have 
So like certain woods would only be used um, because they held, you know, significance. In Ireland, bones of slaughtered livestock would be thrown into the fire. But those would be like the larger bonfires, but people would just have bonfires in each sort of, I don't want to say village, but sort of each commune, each area. Okay, here's the thing. We all know animal sacrifices happened because they did. So what they would do in Ireland is they would throw the bones of their, you know, sacrificed animals into the big communal bonfire. Because the thing about fire to the Celts is that it was cleansing. It was a cleansing ritual. So sometimes they would light a couple of bonfires and they would have livestock walk in between them. So cattle especially, because they were kind of revered, is they would walk between the two fires and have the smoke sort of bellow over them. So at some point during the night, everyone's little like hearth fires and household fires would be put out, they'd all be extinguished. So that later on, they would all be reignited using fuel or flame from basically their, their sacred bonfire. And because they felt like fire had this cleansing power, it would be to protect them during the coming winter. On the Isle of Moray in Scotland, boys would go around and collect bonfire fuel, so like bits of wood or whatever, from each house in the village so that everyone contributed to the bonfire. And then, you know, after it was all done, they would take the ashes and they'd all fight over who gets to scatter them because because that was the cool hip-happening thing to do way back when. And there you have it. The origin of Halloween. If you liked this bitty-sode talking about the history of Halloween, feel free to like, uh, follow, subscribe, and give rate and review five stars on Apple Podcasts. Also, in addition, furthermore, uh, if you want to help me keep the ball rolling here, feel free to go onto paypal.me slash whodidwhatnowpod and donate some keeping the lights on money. <laughs> Don't forget you can follow me on all the social medias. Social medias? It's fine. Instagram, TikTok and Facebook, it is whodidwhatnowpod and on Twitter it is whodidwhatnowpd because I ran out of characters but it's fine. It's it's okay. But anyway, uh, thank you for listening to this bittysode and I better not be losing my voice again. No. No, 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 we don't like that. But I shall bid you adieu, and I shall wish you adios, au revoir, au revoir, zen, my friends. Goodbye. As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts.